You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, we started this series called A Life Well Lived almost three months ago. Uh, This is our 12th and final week. It's interesting to me that in our first week of that series, there had been a funeral the previous week um, of a man who had been a part of our church for many years. His name is Liesl Brown. And I began my sermon... 12 weeks ago by saying that that was a life well lived. And so this is our final week, and this past week we had another funeral of a man who had attended our church for many years, Dudley Powers. Dr. Powers was the founding administrator of a hospital in Kudja, Papua New Guinea, as a missionary for the Church of the Nazarene. He then moved back to Bethany, Oklahoma, where he practiced medicine for years and cared for families and was a leader in this church. And so when I stood up right here on Thursday to bring a greeting to begin that funeral service, I simply said, we've been talking about a life well lived for several weeks here at Bethany First Church on Sunday mornings. And today we've come to celebrate a life well lived. So, so one day... It will be you. It will be me. And a few friends and our families are going to gather into a room to celebrate our lives. And so is that what they will say about us? They really lived life well. I've been saying all along that I think it's a desire for all of us. We, we don't want to come to the end of our lives and, and have somebody say, man, they were given this beautiful gift of life and they really botched it up. They really made a mess of theirs. I think, I think most everybody in the room would say, I want to live life well. Is there some sort of a, a guide? Is there some sort of a you know, secret to how you do that? And so what Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount with are these words. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who lived life well, who built his life on a rock. And it was able to stand against everything that came against it in this world. And so I think the question that we've been dealing with all along these 12 weeks It's simply been this. Am am I living my life well? Am I following the teachings of Jesus as I walk along this life? And so let me me take you to our final section of Scripture that we're going to study in the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 7, I'm going to start reading with verse 13. Chapter 7, and I'll start reading with verse 13, okay? Jesus really gives us three paragraphs here. Three different topics, if you will. And and here's the way they start. In in verse 13, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Many Many do. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. And so I think you're hearing me. But just just to make sure you're with me here, okay? Enter through the narrow gate. 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrows the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And then Jesus says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear I meant to say a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And then here's the third section, okay? Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So may God bless the reading of his word today. I jumped in my car the other day and I wasn't going far. Uh, in fact, I was just down the street and I was coming back to park in the parking lot here at the church. And I don't know what happened. It must have been subconscious because I never, ever, ever get in my car without first putting on my seatbelt. But for some reason, I didn't put on my seatbelt. I did not know that I had not put on my seatbelt. And so when I pulled out on the 39th Expressway, which I think is a pretty busy street. I heard this ding, 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 ding. And I'm thinking, I'm out of gas. What's going on? And it takes me a minute to realize, oh, it's a warning because I haven't put on my seatbelt. And so I guess I'm thinking it's kind of silly because I'm getting ready to turn into the church. But then I hear it again, ding, 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 ding. And so my thought was, as I'm reaching over to grab my seatbelt and, and attach it, my thought is, if, if something really bad happens to me, how many warnings would I say I had to ignore to get myself in the position that I'm in? I could just see myself in traction in a hospital bed thinking, how many warnings, how many bells did I ignore before I put myself in this crazy position? And so here's what I think. I think that you can read what I read a moment ago like I read it. Or you could read it like this. Ding, ding, ding. Because I think what Jesus is doing here is warning us. It, it's not out of character for Jesus. I think the entire Sermon on the Mount has been a warning. I think He has told us over and over again the truth about life. Lust can completely destroy you. There is nothing positive that's going to come out of worrying. If you really want freedom in relationships, it comes through forgiveness. I think the entire Sermon on the Mount has been about warnings. And what Jesus does here, as He comes to the very end of it, He simply says, there are two gates. One is very broad and one is very narrow. Make sure you enter through the narrow gate. 
Everybody else is going through the broad gate. You don't want to do that. It leads to destruction. You want to come through the narrow gate. There are two kinds of prophets in this world. Some are true prophets, some are false. Do not pay attention to the false prophets. They are trying to lead you astray. Make sure you only pay attention to the true prophet of God. There are two kinds of people who claim to be following Christ. Some are truly following Him, some are not. Make sure you truly follow Christ. And what Jesus does as we come to the end of this teaching that we have been going through for these last 12 weeks, He simply says, let me warn you, let me warn you, let me warn you. And all three point to the same things. Build your life on my teachings. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that is a life well lived. And they all three point to being in relationship with Him. That's what they point toward. So, I want us to take a little bit of time and look at these three warnings that Jesus gives us. I I, I think this morning that... um, I want to talk to you just just for a moment um, about why I feel such passion for this this sermon. Uh, Yesterday, um, the weather was beautiful and I got to get out and um, I'd kind of gone over my sermon yesterday morning and and, and I felt um, as I was out really just riding my bicycle, um, I began to have this kind of emotion well up in me and um, I felt a lot of passion uh, for what I was going to share with you today. I got very excited uh, about it and, and I was trying to identify why. And, and I think I came to an understanding of why. For, for um, a long time when I first moved here, I would use the phrase, um, I, I was raised in a small Kentucky town. And, uh, and I haven't used the phrase as much lately. Um, but since the NCAA tournament is going so well, I thought maybe I ought to mention that I was raised in a small Kentucky town. But it was in that little town when I was 19 years old that something powerful happened in my life. I entered the kingdom of heaven. So for years, I always thought heaven was in the future. I didn't know heaven was now. But when Jesus comes preaching and teaching, what does He say? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come near you. The kingdom of heaven is now a possibility in your life. It's all of my life. I thought heaven was out there. But that night when I knelt at an altar at that little Nazarene church, I entered the kingdom of heaven. Heaven that I thought was always out there, it it came to me. And I began to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. My life changed. I was transformed. What I realized yesterday was I don't want anybody to not live this life. I I want to stand up and say, ding, 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 you know. Pay attention. This is a warning. There are two gates. 
One seems to be very easy. Don't walk through that gate. Whatever you do, walk through the narrow gate. There are two kinds of prophets in this world. Don't listen to the false prophet. There are ways to know which one is true and which one is false. And there are two kinds of people who claim to be following Jesus. Make sure you're the one who is truly following Jesus. And there are qualifications by that in the word that we will find this morning. I I want everybody to live this life. So let's, let's talk about it, okay? We'll talk about it like this. Let's, let's begin with the two gates. Let me, let me, let me think with you, though. So, so if I'm feeling a little sluggish and I need a pick-me-up, all right, and, and I'm just kind of had all day a feeling just kind of uh, physically. So I'm thinking I'm either going to go to Brahms and eat a banana split <laughs> or I'm going to get on my bicycle or run for about 40 minutes and get some good cardio in. So which of those two seems easier to you at the moment? Most all of us are going to say, I'm going to Brahms. I mean, to work out, I've got to go home and change clothes, and then I'm going to go get sweaty, and about two minutes into it, I'm going to feel a little sick to my stomach. Why did I do this? So what just appears to be easier is go get the banana split. It's an immediate high of sugar. But long term. If that became a practice where I chose one over the other, which is easier on me in the long term. And we all agree, well, the workout is going to be much better for you in the long run. I, I think that's where Jesus is going here. The gate looks really wide. The path is really broad. Everybody is trying to get to it. But it leads to destruction. The same word in the Greek that we often translate eternal punishment. The narrow road, it looks much more difficult. Christ asks a lot of you, but it leads to life. Back about six, seven years ago, I had a group of friends, the people that actually I worked with on staff, said, we are doing P90X. Have you ever seen those commercials on television? So I, I, I agreed to do it with them. I, I still to this day didn't know what I was agreeing to when I did it, but I did it. And I remember uh, people asking me in the midst of doing that, but, but don't, you, don't you feel good? And I said, no, I feel like I go in a room every morning, somebody beats me up, and then i got to go to work. And I hurt everywhere, all day long. I just, I'm in pain everywhere, all day long. I don't get to eat anything I like. But, but as I continued through the program... I noticed my body started changing. After the 90 days, I quit doing the program and my body has changed back. (laughs) But I remember I'd only run like a couple of miles ever in my life that I could remember in one, one time. And I remember after doing P90, I ran six miles without even trying to run six miles. You You understand... That there's this idea of what is better for you and what is easy for you. And, and often we face that temptation of doing what is easy now than what is better for me long term. 
And so Jesus cast this broad warning. Be, be very careful. Whatever you do, enter through the narrow gate. Narrow is the road, small is the gate that leads to life. Only a few find it. Be in the few. Be the one who finds it. He then, he then moves to the second analogy, and all three make the same point, by the way. The, the second analogy has to do with false prophets. Now, I was in Swaziland uh, a week and a half ago, and, and uh, we, we would sometimes find our places in a, in a place where we could get Internet. And so when we did, you know, how we all are, we'd grab out our phones and we're online like crazy trying to... I would FaceTime with Annette and the girls and, and, uh, and you're reading news and, and maybe you're looking at some email or whatever... But I, I remember one morning, and, and it was, you know, we were in Swaziland. We'd been exposed to great poverty. And my friend, who is a pastor, holds up his phone and shows me the headlines on one of the, one of the news pages that he looks at in the mornings. And it was about a, a televangelist, a, a preacher here in the United States, who, were, who was petitioning his people to give sacrificially. Because he needed to raise $60 million dollars to buy a Gulfstream jet for he and his wife to travel in. And so, so I think that I would have had a reaction to it had I been sitting in my office here, but being in Swaziland surrounded by that kind of poverty, and by the way, I'm as, I'm as guilty. I, you know, I, I come back from Swaziland thinking I have to change, make changes every time I have to make changes. So I, I, I want to be very careful here that I don't just, I don't get off the hook on this one. God speaks to me every time I go about how I view and use money and resources. But man, something about reading those words, $60 million to travel more comfortably in a luxury jet, asking his congregation and followers to give sacrificially so he could have this jet. It was hard. Jesus says there's prophets There's good ones and there's bad ones. <laughs> there's true prophets and there are false prophets. Be careful which prophet you listen to. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me talk to you about the language he uses, okay? They will come in sheep's clothing. So if you go back to the Old Testament, there's this great prophet whose name is Elijah. And Elijah had this mantle that he wore, this cloak, right? We sing about it, we write about it, we talk about it, we teach about it, we learn from it. He had this mantle, this cloak. And you remember Elisha said, you know, let your mantle fall on me, kind of thing. Remember that story. I want a double portion of, of what is going on, the power of God at work in your life. So the mantle we learn in 2 Kings chapter 1 is made of hair, a, a, a mantle of, of hair. It's a sheepskin. And so as history progresses throughout the people of God... The prophets had a uniform, and the uniform was a sheepskin mantle, a cloak. That's what they wore. It distinguished them from other men. There is a prophet of God. He is wearing the mantle, the uniform of a prophet. And so even when Matthew writes his account of the gospel in A.D. 85, 
the institution of profit is still happening within the church. They were men who owned nothing. They were men who had no home. They were men who had given up everything. They traveled from place to place to speak on behalf of God to the people of God. But sometimes there were others who put on the mantle of sheepskin. The uniform of the prophet. And sometimes they put on the uniform for prestige or honor. It was never for the right reason. Sometimes they would put on the uniform to try to gain the generosity of a local congregation to get money. <laughs> and sometimes they put on the mantle to lead people astray to the teaching that they wanted people to understand. And so Jesus says there are two kinds of prophets. There's the true prophet, there's the false prophet. Be careful which prophet you listen to. So how do I know which is the true prophet? And how do I know which is the false prophet? And Jesus says, look at the fruit of their life. When you watch their life, have they experienced this kingdom transformation? Are they in the kingdom of heaven? You don't grow grapes on thorns, thorn bushes, he says. A good tree only bears good fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. bad tree bears bad fruit. Look at the fruit in their life. Do you find love and gentleness and kindness and patience and peace are the fruits of the Spirit there? Don't follow false prophets. Then he gives us a third warning. I, I, I remember one day we had this uh, big, big day at our church back in Cincinnati. Uh, we had twice as many people that morning than we normally have. And I, and I remember getting up preached, and I preached from this, from this particular passage that, that Jesus goes to next. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And I remember that afternoon, I ran into a lady at our church, and she looks at me and she says, really? And I said, what's that? Really? You get all of these people, and the best thing you can tell them is not everybody's going to enter the kingdom of heaven? How do you know everybody's not going to enter the kingdom of heaven? We'd had conversations before. I wasn't shocked. I said, unless I'm terribly misinterpreting the Word of God, I don't believe everybody will enter the kingdom of heaven. When you read these words, there's a straightforward message from Jesus. This straightforward rejection, if we don't have a relationship with one another. They are strong words. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You're not hearing me. We're not in relationship with each other. I have a friend named Andy, 
and he is uh, a great guy. He teaches up at the seminary, and uh, I got to see him again this week, and um, you just have to know him. Uh, he, he just, he just, he's just Andy, and, and, uh, and I said to him, Andy, how's Zeke? Zeke is his dog. He's always got stories about his dog. And he said, oh, Rick, uh, it's been a hard two weeks. Zeke died. I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And so the people around us didn't know why I would be asking about Zeke. And I said, well, there's this story that, but I don't think it's appropriate to ask Andy to tell it now. Andy says, no, I'll tell it. And so he tells this story about when Zeke gets sick. He says, you know, dogs don't get sick during the week when it's cheaper to take them to the vet. It's always on weekends when you have to go to the 24-hour thing. And so he says... I go in and I take Zeke and, and he, you know, sees the, you know, the, the, the vet and, and the vet says, now, okay, he's got this, he needs these antibiotics. They're more expensive here, honestly. If I write you a script, you can take it to your CVS or Walgreens or local drugstore and they can fill it in. And he said, well, give me the script. And so he takes it and he goes in with the prescription to the person who is going to fill the prescription. And, and he says, this is for my dog, Zeke. But she does not hear, obviously, the part for my dog. And so she says, is Zeke in our computer? <laughs> and he says, I, I didn't realize that at this point that she didn't hear that. And so I'm, little, I, no, I don't think he would be. I wouldn't know why he would be. Well, she looks at the prescription and she says, how old is he? And he says, she's, he said he's, he's six months. <laughs> and said so she looked very confused by the prescription and said, well, okay, well, when's his birthday? And he goes... I don't know. She said, you don't know when his birthday is? And he goes, put August the 1st. And so she kind of looked at me like, seriously? And she seems to be taking a while. And, and, and I just said to her, are you going to be a while? She goes, why? She goes, well, because he's out in the car. I probably ought to go check on him. And she says, well, by all means, go check on him. And so when I come back, she goes, is he okay? And Well, yeah, he's fine. He's just laying out in the car. And she said, don't you want this in a liquid? liquid? This is a big pill. And he goes, no, I don't want it in a liquid. Just give the pill. She goes, how are you going to give this to him? She said, I guess I'm just going to ram it down his throat. That's what I did before. She says, you can't do that. He said, have you never owned a dog? And she said, oh, my goodness, I'm so relieved. It's a dog. I love, I love, I love that story, and I've, I've had Andy tell it, I don't know how many times, to friends when we get together. So, you know, I'm talking, but you're not hearing me. I, I, think, I think that's what Jesus is trying to say. I've, I've been talking, and you're not hearing me. And you can hear it in the argument. Listen to it as you continue, okay? But did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not prophesy? You're not hearing me. We're not in relationship. I'm talking. Words are coming out of my mouth. They have been for a long time. But you're not paying any attention to what I'm saying. It's not connecting. It's not relating. You're not understanding me. You're not doing the will of my Father. You and I are not in relationship with each other. Not everybody enters the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? Only the one who does the will of my Father who is 
in heaven. Ding, ding, ding. And at the same time, are you hearing this invitation of Jesus? <laughs> I'm the narrow gate. You can enter the kingdom of heaven through me. I can transform your life. The prophet might have looked like a prophet on the outside, on the inside. He was not. I can change what you are inside. I'm talking about kingdom transformation. You can follow the will of the Father. This is not a lofty goal that's impossible to reach. I will empower you as I usher the kingdom of God in. It is accompanied by power to live the life that I've called you to live. If you're looking for the why, it's definitely in the passage. And it's really clear. It's almost impossible to miss, in fact. There's judgment language, not once but twice. The tree that bears bad fruit, good for nothing, to be cut down and what? Thrown into the fire. Those words are not a coincidence or a mistake. And then what does he say to the person who says, but we did all of this in your name. No, depart from me, away from me, I never knew you. On that day... Jesus says, those are the words that I will say on that day of judgment. Future destiny is at stake here. Nobody can deny that. Warning. 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 That's the why. Eternal consequences are hanging in the balances here. And Jesus himself speaks. And then he concludes with these great words. Whoever listens to these words of mine and does what they says is like the man who builds his house on the rock. But whoever does not listen to these words of mine is like the man who built his house on the sand and the winds and the waters. And all of that came and it fell with a great crash. It's, it's the warning. That's what these last verses are. Put these words of mine into practice. So, why don't you stand with me? Will you do that? There's really, really only one question that we have to answer this morning before we go, and that's what is my life based on? What am I building my whole life on? What does my foundation look like? What am I building my whole life on? That's the only question you really have to answer before you walk out the door this morning. And so we're going to sing together before we go. And this beautiful Palm Sunday, which is really a Sunday about kingship and lordship. 
And so this morning, if you want to talk to the Father as He is speaking to you, feel free to come and kneel here at an altar and do that. There'll be pastors here to pray with you. They'll also be here to anoint you if you want to be anointed and to be prayed for for physical healing. If you uh, if you desire to uh, to enter the kingdom of heaven this morning, <laughs> it's at hand. It's available. It is an option for you. You can choose it if you want to. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can be transformed in your heart. You can be made new. You can be born again today. Or if there's other issues you want to pray about, you know you're welcome. Some come often to pray for their kids or a family member who needs Jesus. So feel free to come. Let's sing together. And if you want to pray, you're welcome to do so. I just want to let you know that as you leave, you'll be given a little card as a reminder of this series. Hope you hang on to it. James Bryan Smith, in this last chapter of Good and Beautiful Life, talks about living in the kingdom day by day. And he really talks about his own life and how he nurtures his walk with God. And he does it through prayer and Bible study and acts of kindness and service and so on and so forth. And he talks about abiding in Christ. And on the back is a great verse from the Gospel of John where Jesus says, abide in me. And so I want you to take this as a reminder daily to live in the kingdom of God. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.